The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. It has been a busy, news-filled week, so we've got a lot to get into, obviously. We will talk about Kyrie Irving with Russ Heltman. We will talk about the Washington football team investigation email leak and all of the tentacles that have gotten into ESPN from that with Brian No in just a bit. But first, speaking of ESPN, what did you think about the debut of the NHL on ESPN? It seems like a lot of you tuned in to watch record opening night audiences for the NHL in that move over to ESPN. And, and look, I think if you watched any of the games, and I only watched a little bit of the second game, but I think you see why it is the NHL made the move. Certainly ESPN has a promotional machine that NBC, particularly the sports wing, just could not match, right? But the other thing is when the NHL first moved to, the, uh, to NBC from ESPN, it was because NBC was going to spotlight the league in a way ESPN was not willing to. When they chose to stay with NBC the first time around, it is because NBC had ideas to create things like the Winter Classic and these destination events for the league and grow the fan base. Well, now you make the move to ESPN not only because of the reach, but also because of what we saw on Tuesday night with some of those inventive overhead camera shots, with the way that we got to go inside the locker room. ESPN was touting this stuff for very good reason. I think traditional hockey fans may require a little bit of getting used to in order to really embrace this, but the game looks so different. The game seems to be catered in its presentation to a younger audience, to creating a new generation of fans. And when we talk about the big four in the United States amongst the major professional leagues, if anybody needs help creating a generation of younger fans, it is clearly the NHL. Despite everything we hear about Major League Baseball, if you look at the ratings, hockey needs this boost. And I think they made such a smart choice ESPN and TNT are both presenting the product in a way that is just more accessible to the casual viewer. Kyrie Irving choosing not to get the vaccine and now essentially miss an entire season of NBA basketball certainly did not start out as a media story. But I had Russ Heltman sort of chronicle media reactions at the website. And Russ, we are coming off of a week where all of those Cumulus employees that chose not to comply with the vaccine mandate were officially let go. Always, uh, whether or not athletes are vaccinated as we start a new season becomes a talking point. But it really feels like this Kyrie Irving story has taken on a really personal thing to people. And I don't know if it is as simple as because we just cannot understand his point of view here. I watched the entire two minutes. I think it was like two minutes, 10 seconds of his explanation on yeah. IG Live last night, Dimitri. And I still don't understand. I don't understand where he is coming from. If I were him, I would be telling the Brooklyn Nets to trade me immediately so yeah. I can go resume my NBA career at one of the other 26 franchises that will allow me to play home games without facing mandates from the city or locale where you're playing. And so I, it's it, it's just such a confusing story. 
And I'm at the point where I'm cleaning my hands of it. And Kyrie <laughs> Irving, if you would like to make a trade request, then go ahead and make a trade request. But as of now, he said he is not retired. I consider Kyrie Irving retired because there is no way that the I have very little hope that the vaccine mandate in New York City principal or locales are going to change. Those rules are going to change by the time this season ends. I wonder if you caught that back and forth i mean argument there's no other way to frame it on first take uh when stephen a smith was you know saying as he has this whole time that this stance is very stupid it makes no sense and jay williams saying man you are going about this the wrong way um did you did you catch that at all yeah i saw that and then they had the they had jay on this morning following up mm-hmm. with uh, another discussion to comment on Kyrie's uh ig live last night and and like that's kind of why I did the the cleaning my hands of it kind of thing because it's it's the same thing with vaccines at large. It's yeah. become a politicized issue. I'm not here. You're not here. We're not here to tell people what to do with their bodies. And if Kyrie Irving wants to take that stance, that's well within his right. But once again, I say I am confused because if that is your stance, then you need to be telling your employer, "I would like to be have my contract traded to another place in this league." where I can continue my NBA career. The the confusion thing has popped up for me a lot in the last, I would say, 48 hours. Because this idea that Kyrie Irving himself is not against the vaccine, he is trying to be a voice for the voiceless here, while simultaneously not talking at all until that Instagram Live and still not having answered any tough questions about this. You know, I have I have seen and heard multiple hosts throw around the term narcissist and narcissism. I mean, that is a, a psychological diagnosis. I don't know enough to say whether, yeah, I definitely agree or no, I don't. But, you know, we are left with so many questions. And this is a story like we were just talking about first take, like you can't not talk about it if you are on the national level here, right? Um, And so I think a lot of us that are talking about it, use clunky language around it, thus complicating the issue even further. Exactly. And it kind of goes back to what Stephen A was saying to me, where he he brought up the the idea that Kyrie, when everybody went to the bubble in Orlando, was adamant in telling people not to go. We need yep. to help support social justice. We need to focus on what's important here at home. Well, if you do that, and if Kyrie carries out what he's doing now, you lose your platform. I, I, I'm with you so wholeheartedly, Dimitri, where it's just become so clunky. The entire discussion is so clunky. It's confusing. And this is a thing where it's not like, Let's be honest, you couldn't have forced, I guess, never mind. I guess you couldn't have necessarily foreseen this if you were Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. You couldn't foresee the mandates coming down. But once again, it all boils back to my thought process of if you are not retired and you want to continue being an NBA player, then get traded to another team. And I think they would grant that request as, as seeing as he's going into the final year of his deal this year and is uh, is looking to get an extension. But it's all a very clunky subject, like you're saying, Dimitri, to cover in sports media because it is such a personal decision that we are confused as to the motiva- motivation behind that decision. Uh, you know, I mean, we see we are seeing people lose jobs in all sorts of sectors for not complying with vaccine mandates, like this idea of voice for the voiceless. Well, those voiceless sure won't shut the fuck up lately, right? I mean, like they're very loud in their point. And, and all of that sort of coincides to... You know, if if Kyrie Irving were holding out, 
I think we would know better how to talk about this. Even if it had to do with a vaccine, if he just simply said, I'm not showing up until I get traded, we would know better how to talk about this. I, I wonder how much of our confusion comes from Kyrie's confusion. Right. And the fact that to me, when I look at Kyrie Irving, the baggage that he brings to the situation as well doesn't help his case at all. Right. Here. Kyrie Irving, I think people just don't take him seriously at all anymore because of the <laughs> right. antics that have happened over the past three years. The leaving the Nets unannounced, not telling anybody for two weeks, the flat earth conspiracies, the telling everyone not to go to the Orlando bubble when everybody who went to the Orlando bubble made a giant statement when they ended up boycotting games at the bubble and showing and shining a light on social justice in that way. So the baggage to me, Dimitri, doesn't help to Kyrie Irving at all here. And that to me is a large part of why he went on IG Live himself on Wednesday night to try to clear the air. The never in maybe never ending is the wrong word for it, but it feels like every day this past week we got a new turn in the John Gruden slash Washington football team investigation slash at some point Adam Schefter email saga and I bring on my buddy Brian No to talk about it. Brian, we are going to get into the column you wrote about John Gruden and his apology in just a minute, but first, is there a particular most shocking moment of this whole thing or has so much come out that it's just hard to keep up with what all has happened in the last week. Well, I would just say with this stemming from the Washington football team investigation about workplace misconduct, there are 650,000 emails right. and the only guy to pay real consequences for it is John Gruden, who wasn't even affiliated with that franchise. So that to me is the craziest part of this thing. And I think, most reasonable people would say, yeah, John Gruden's not going to be able to keep his job yeah. when his emails surfaced the way they did. But for him to be the only guy, it just it makes you wonder what else is there that hasn't come to light. Uh, I heard a, a great joke that Cody Stutes on ESPN 97.5 in Houston just sort of said that like the moment Gruden's emails came out, you probably had 70-year-olds across the country Googling, can you unsend an email? <laughs> that's right it's a good joke yeah but it just makes you wonder how many other people are really wondering that like oh my gosh i sent this email right. in response to gruden or sent this off-color email to somebody else and they got to be shaking in their boots right now but i don't know if those emails will ever come to light well let's tie that thought to your column you wrote about the fact that gruden's initial apology on uh, Sunday was an absolute clinic in how not to do this. Like, it is very reasonable to think that if there are 650,000 emails, we will be getting at least one more of those press conferences uh, at some point down the road. You mentioned there is absolutely no way John Gruden could have stayed employed, certainly by the Raiders, if not in the league entirely. Is there a way to come off as truly... Um, sorry, in that moment. I mean, that is such a major consequence that I wonder if we would be skeptical of any sort of apology in that moment. Yeah, the only way in my mind is to just own the wrongdoing, just 100%. Mm. I'm an idiot. It was unacceptable. I'm so sorry, that sort of thing. 
But as soon as, man, these clunky apologies happen time and time again, as soon as you're making it more about you mm-hmm. than who you did wrong toward, that's like, you're not sorry, man. You're just trying to cover your tracks or you're trying to, you're worrying about your own reputation. And that just, that's the most insincere way to apologize when you're talking about, oh, I don't have a racist bone in my body and I feel pretty good about the way I've conducted my life and my business. And yeah, it's like, dude, just own what you did was wrong. Right. You know, say it and just take complete accountability for it. And that's not what he did. Uh, Demaray Smith on uh, ESPN said that John Gruden has reached out to him. They just could not make the timing work to talk before the game on Sunday. He's sure they will catch up later on uh, this week or next. So it does seem like Gruden wants to make a personal apology to Demari Smith. I, I do wonder, though, you mentioned that line Gruden used about not having a racist bone in your body. I, I wonder whether it is the wronged party or the public in general. The second you throw out a statement like that, I, I do wonder how much that makes somebody um, unwilling to hear any other message you have, because clearly you don't mm-hmm. get what you've done wrong. Yeah, I and I think that's the the strange twist is Gruden's trying to make it better, mm-hmm. right? But he's just making it worse. Like just right. stick with what you did wrong, own it one hundred percent. I was an idiot. I don't know. I, there's no excuse. I'll be better going forward. That sort of thing. But it's like you're saying, if it's right there in black and white, the words that he used. And, man, it it doesn't look good. I I don't want to hear this, oh, no, I don't have a racist bone in my body. That's just the wrong way to to go about it because so many people are going to be skeptical of that to begin with, and you should just keep the focus on who you did wrong toward. And it it was clunky from the beginning, and it looks even worse now when all these other emails came out. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that was just the tip of the iceberg with the Demora Smith. Uh, that tires quote there. So yeah, just a calamity for Gruden. Yeah, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body because they're all busy being homophobic and misogynistic. It uh, it seemed like as uh, <laughs> <laughs> as all of that stuff came out. I do I do wonder what you think about sort of the tie here that we have the Adam Schefter email and it's a really really bad look. Uh, that you call a source Mister Editor when you are reporting on the league. However, I think it would be naive to think that NFL insiders do not have these sorts of relationships with their sources. But, so you've got the Schefter emails that come out. The Gruden emails, it is really important to point out, were all sent while he was part of Monday Night Football on ESPN. I wonder if this raises questions for us at all about the culture at ESPN. It raises a ton of questions, right? It's, uh, who... What other emails were out there, right? It's uh, with the 650,000 emails with the, the Washington investigation into that franchise, right? It's like, was Bruce Allen just like, eh, I, you feel how you feel, John Gruden, and that's <laughs> right. it? Or is he participating, you know, right? Like, <laughs> normally when you have uh, email exchanges like that, I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that Gruden kept on going and going and going for over 10 years when he was like the only guy using language like that. You know what I mean? Yep. So there's uh, questions about ESPN. There's, there are all kinds of questions of 
And really, that's when you get the true answers. When someone thinks what they're saying is truly off the record, it's truly private. Absolutely. It's a truth theorem moment. Like, that's it. That's how they really feel. And there are a lot of emails from a lot of different people that I'm sure uncovered how they really feel in those emails. All right, a big thank you to both Russ and Brian for taking the time today. I'll keep this simple. Next week, we are going to do a big summer book ratings dive uh, with Jason Barrett. That is going to be the main focus of next week's show. Uh, I remember last week I said I think there's more to come with the Sage Steel story, and we would get into that later. Boy, is she thanking God for John Gruden and Adam Schefter and all of ESPN's ties to the Washington football team emails, right? I'll talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com. 